Thank you for tuning into the Life Room Podcast. Real life, real Christians, real struggles. My name is Sean Wilson, and I'm excited to introduce you to the type of teachings you can expect at the Life Room Community Church. The truth is, many people are winning in church, but struggling in life. At the Life Room, helping you translate kingdom principles to your family and your relationships is our focus. So if you like what you hear and are interested in learning more about what makes the LRC different, visit our website at liferoomcc.com and get ready for a ministry that is real and relevant to your life. In our text today, we'll be looking at several scriptures in Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, verse 9 through 17. Then Jesus demanded, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirit begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Verse 21 through 26. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other shore side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue whose name was Jairus arrived. When he saw Jesus he fell at his feet pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying he said please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him and all the people followed crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Verses 35 through 42. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, Your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, Why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave, and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room 
where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha Kaum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. I'd like to speak to you today from the topic, attendance does not mean agreement. In verses 1 through 13, Jesus is dealing with a man who is possessed by a demon. He has gotten completely out of control, doing all sorts of things, and Jesus cast his demon out of this man. Now we pick it up in verse 14, where he encounters people who have been affected by Jesus healing this man. We encounter the herdsmen of the pigs who had spread the news of what Jesus did. Now this is where it gets real interesting. Because in verse 15 and 16, the crowd assembles and they see the man that was crazy is now perfectly sane. And they hear that Jesus is the one who's responsible for making someone that they considered crazy now more normal than they are. But instead of being happy and thankful, they are pleading with Jesus to leave. The scripture indicates that they were afraid of the man after he is now in his right mind. See, some people are not threatened by the old you. Some people are threatened by the you who's changing. They enjoy being able to predict how you will behave. And I thought it was so interesting that we see nothing about them being afraid when he was doing all kinds of crazy things. But the moment he is perfectly sane, they feel some type of way. Be careful the people in your life who have grown accustomed to the unhealed you the willing to fight instead of pray you. There are many reasons people oftentimes act different when you begin changing, but in this text, some suggest that the herdsmen felt some type of way with Jesus because of the economic loss they experienced because of losing thousands of pigs. And so there are some people who are not looking at the fact that you're better, they are looking at what they lost. This man was crazy. He was living in a cave, but it appeared to be okay with the herdsmen because it wasn't affecting their bottom dollar. Get this, Jesus came and he is making their town a safer place, a, a healed place, but they are not okay with people being healed. So in verse 17, the scripture says, the crowd begins pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. I want you to watch what Jesus does in verse 18. In verse 18, it tells us that he gets on the boat. Yeah, he doesn't argue with them. He doesn't even try to justify using scripture. He leaves. Let me help you. Stop trying to force yourself in places where you're no longer wanted. Jesus's example was not to get into a debate with them. It wasn't to try to convince them that he needed to be there. No, Jesus got on the boat. Jesus understood that their heart was not ready to receive his message. But it did not change the fact that while he was there, he did what he was assigned to do. See, sometimes we get so hard on ourselves and, and think that it's something wrong with us because we introduce Jesus to people, but they are not changed. In fact, sometimes people do us just like they did Jesus here and they try to push us out. 
I hope you see that this is not unusual. Jesus himself is there spreading the gospel. He's healing people. He's showing results, and yet they want him to leave. However, Jesus' assignment there is not a waste because he reached who he was there to reach. He, he, he has now healed this man who was living a crazy life inside of a cave. Yeah, focus on those who are your assignment, not those who reject you. Jesus introduced himself and then he got on the boat. Stop lingering in places where your assignment has ran out. Jesus is surrounded by a crowd here in verse 15, but this crowd, although they are in attendance, when they heard Jesus was in their town, they were not in agreement with what he was doing. Everyone in attendance won't always be in agreement. And so verse 21, Jesus is back in the boat and he gets to a place where once again, a large crowd has gathered to meet him. But this time, the crowd wants him to be there. You missed it. He is not wanted in the place where he left, but there is a place where he's wanted, yeah. Don't miss the place where you will be celebrated, struggling in the place where you're barely tolerated. Jesus is met with excitement in this new place, but it required him to get in the boat where his flesh could have said, man, you Jesus, Stay here until they believe. No, Jesus gets on the boat and he gets to this place where a crowd is waiting on him. There are some things that God has waiting on you, but you cannot access them because you're still in the place where your assignment has already passed. Verse 22 says that a leader of the local synagogue named Jairus arrives. And when he sees Jesus, scripture lets us know that he falls at his feet. See, falling at Jesus' feet is a way of showing reverence, a, a way of worshiping him and letting him know that I trust in you. I believe that you hold the key to everything that I need. Now, what you're about to find out is that Jairus has an incredible immediate need, but he recognized that my request will be better received if it is accompanied by my worship. Yeah, see, some of us just ask, ask, Acts, we don't worship and we barely say thank you, but we were created to worship. And so if you have a need, let me help you. If you allow your requests to be accompanied by your worship, I believe that it will allow you to stand out in a crowd that is gathered around Jesus with just their requests. In verse 23, Jairus pleads with Jesus. He says, my little daughter is dying. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Now, this is as serious as it can get for Jairus. Verse 24, Jesus goes with him. And get this, the scripture indicates that all the people followed, crowding around him. And verse 25 enters the woman with the issue of blood, who most of you are familiar with, who has been sick. For 12 long years and everything she has tried has not worked she has used all her resources and now is in a stage where she should be weak and discouraged yet somehow she finds her way through this massive crowd in order to touch a piece of jesus's clothing and she is healed yeah i'm not here to preach that today but i do want to point out that jesus had no intentions on healing this woman but her faith 
provoked her to do something that others didn't even think to do. See, the scripture indicates that there was a crowd around him, so there were others in his presence, but they didn't get what was obviously available to them. How often do we have access to the benefits of God, but for whatever reason, we don't get what we need? But that's enough with the woman with the issue of blood. I'm not here for her today, but Jarius has told Jesus about an immediate need, a critical need. His daughter is dying. Yet Jesus stops and he has a conversation with this woman who touched him, taking away from the urgency to get to Jairus' home as soon as possible. And so Jairus has to watch someone else get healed and not get in his feelings because God has done it for them and hasn't done it for him yet. Yeah, but it's about to get even more complicated because in verse 35, while he was still speaking to her, it says that the messengers arrived from the home of Jairus. The, and they said to him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. Uh-oh. Now, naturally, it would have been easy for Jairus to have been upset with Jesus. Uh, yeah, I'm reminded of Mary and Martha uh, when they were upset, when they felt like Jesus was too late here again. Jairus is like, I just told you that my daughter was dying and you took your time even stopping to perform other miracles when I desperately needed you. See, sometimes the truth is God does not always show up the way I expect him and it causes me to respond negatively when God actually has another plan. Verse 36 says Jesus overhears what they told Jairus and he has a word for Jairus. Don't be afraid, just have faith. Lord, I pray that you help me, that when the world gives me bad news, that you counteract that news with a word that allows me to not lose my faith. Now, it's at this time where Jesus does not need Jairus worrying. He does not need him doubting because notice what he tells the woman with the issue of blood in verse 34. He says to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. And so what Jesus needs from Jairus is not the ability to make his daughter well, but the faith that Jesus can. And so as Jesus gets near where he will need to perform this miracle, he needs those who are just coming along to see a show to get out of the way. And so watch what Jesus does in verse 37. Verse 37, it says, then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John. The closer Jesus gets to Jairus' home, the less spectators he wants around him. Yeah, catch this. The closer he gets to his assignment, the more he needs people who are with him for the right reasons. Yep. Jesus understands that everybody that say that they are praying for you ain't really praying. And Jesus can't afford to have faithless people around him at a time where he needs to perform one of his biggest miracles to date. Is there anyone here that needs God to do something big in your life? Yeah, might I suggest that you begin to assess your circle like Jesus did and start removing the well-wishers who aren't willing to help you get the things you need from God. Jesus recognizes that everyone who is in attendance 
are not in agreement with what he needs to do. And so he has no problem telling these people, hold up, that's as far as you can go. We, on the other hand, allow people to go with us, get this, that we know don't believe what we believe. We know they don't really like us like that, but we are too nice to dismiss those who are bringing doubt when what we actually need is faith. So Jesus has to make some cuts. And this is the first cut. In verse 38, it says, When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, Why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. Jesus arrived, and what he sees does not look like faith. Jesus is confident in what his father can do, but he knows that his father needs faith from us. Jesus went into the house where they are essentially having a sitting up and Jesus begins to ask questions. Why are y'all in here eating all this man food? Who done got this fish fry going in the backyard and this loud music playing? Why are y'all out here playing spades and got people about to fight because auntie out here keep reneging? Why are y'all out here arguing over who got the body and who is going to ride in the limo? Why are we arguing over who's going to pay for the funeral when none of y'all ain't going to contribute anyway? Jesus is confused because he has already sent word back that she ain't dead. She's just asleep. So why are you out here trying to bury things that just need to be awakened? Yep, Jesus ain't feeling this funeral culture. And to make matters worse, look at verse 40. And verse 40 says, the crowd laughed at him. Mm. Notice something. Notice how quick they went from crying to laughing. Just a second ago, they were so distraught. Now they think something funny. Man, get these people out of my house. It says in verse 40, Jesus made them all leave. Second cut. He makes them all leave and he took only five people with him in the room. The girl's father, her mother, and his three disciples. Now the first time Jesus made a cut, it seemed rational. As he cut from the crowd who did not know Jairus or his daughter, they did not have no relationship with him. But now Jesus is at Jairus' house. He's at the sitting up, which means that the only people who should be there are family and friends. But even among family and friends, everyone who should be praying may be praying, but they're not believing. And so Jesus has to make another cut. One that has likely caused some family members to get upset. Who is this man? This ain't your house to be kicking nobody out. I can stay because Jarius is my cousin. Yeah. But in verse 41, Jesus and these five people enter the room and it says that Jesus holds her hand and he says to her, Talitha Koum, which means little girl, get up. And the little girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up. I came to speak to that little girl in you today who lost a part of you in your childhood and you've been walking around sleep ever since. Little girl, get up. I came to speak to that little boy who for them believing has been tricky because you have seen too much inconsistencies from the church. God says to that little boy, get up. Before Jesus prays that Jairus' daughter lives, he has to remove anything that resembles doubt. Now, this is the difficult thing. Jarius and the girl's mother 
are going through. Their, their daughter is not breathing and yet they have to put aside the fact that they are looking at a lifeless body, but they have to choose to believe what Jesus says, that she is not dead, she's only asleep, because it's their faith that will allow her to live. Can I help you see something that Jairus may have originally seen as a bad thing, but it actually prepared him for this moment? Remember, I told you earlier that after Jairus told Jesus that his daughter is dying, and Jesus actually stops and what probably appeared to Jairus as wasted time to heal the woman with the issue of blood, God was actually strategic. Yep. Can I tell you why I think that scenario was actually necessary? Because up until this time, Jairus sought after Jesus because he heard what Jesus could do. But now that Jairus is with Jesus, he gets to see Jesus' power at work. You missed it. Had it not been for Jairus being a first-hand witness that Jesus could do what nobody else could do when all the doctors failed the woman with the issue of blood and after she tried everything else and now she gets to the man who is her last hope and he does what no one else could do. If had he not witnessed this, I'm not sure he would have had enough faith to believe that Jesus could cause his daughter to live again. See, he came to Jesus at the beginning of our text because his daughter is sick and he believes that Jesus can heal her. But it takes a different kind of faith to believe that Jesus can raise a dead situation. Yeah, sometimes God has to give you small victories to build your faith for the miracle that you need. At the time when Jairus' daughter was already dead, she did not need people who believed that God could perform a miracle. She needed people who believed that God would perform a miracle. And so sometimes it's necessary for God to allow you to be in your feelings so that he can prepare you for the miracle you will one day need later. Yep, I believe that the miracles in your life that you need are just the right agreement away. But everyone in attendance will not always be in agreement. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for allowing us to have the faith to believe that you can do all things but fail. Father, we, we pray that you give us revelation in everything that you allow us to go through and understand that you're strategic. And Father, that you promise that all things work together for the good of them who love God and are called according to your purpose. Father, I pray that you give us strength to fight and that we do not get weary in well-doing. But Father, you help us to be strong in everything that we must face, everything that we must endure, knowing that you have a plan to deliver us. Father, help us us to awaken all of those things in our lives that are asleep. Father, help us to bring back life into those things that are of you. Father, that we have allowed life to be choked out of it. Father, we pray that as we approach 20, as we are now in 2024, God, that you would just continue to just awaken us. And Father, allow us to bring you glory in every area of our life. Father, we thank you and Father, we claim victory in every area of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.